Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for What we had been seeing over the history of studying about Israel is they had been sinning for centuries. They had chased after false gods, or they just would not turn away from the false gods. So God had Israel taken captive by Babylon, and then Babylon uh, got taken over by Persia. So the Israelites had been gone for 70 years. They were in captivity. But now God brought Israel back, brought them back home after 70 years of captivity, And the Israelites were very grieved and very sorry about their sin. And that's a big thing we need to see in this uh, chapter today is that we should be sorry about our sin. We shouldn't just be, well, uh, I said a prayer in camp and I got saved. I said, Jesus is Lord and everything's all fine and dandy. You got to grieve about your sin. The Bible says you cannot have true repentance that gets you to salvation unless you are grieving called godly sorrow about your sin. You really have to be sorry. God, I'm sorry for what I did. And they're grieving their sin in Nehemiah 9. But what's nice about sorrow for sin, and some people say, well, I'm not going to be sorrowful because God doesn't want me to just be sorry and hanging with my head down all the time. Here's the nice thing about sorrow for sin is it quickly gets turned into praise. Because when you realize how sorry you are for your sin, you quickly realize, wait a minute, God pulled me out of all that mess and he didn't have to do it. Now you're praising and praising with great joy and thanks. Yes, the sorrow's there, but God, you pulled me out of a mess. Why would you do that? Why I ask that often. Why, God, would you even bother, king of all creation, come to a messed up sinner like me and pull me out of that muck I was in? And you know the only answer I've got? and it's in God's word, is just because he loves you. I've had a lot of people come to me trying to figure this out. Why would God, he's he's on the throne and he, all this, and they can't just get the simple fact God loves them. It's just that easy. God is love and he loves you. So it turned into praise. And I want us to catch a sense of this because though you may be sorry, you should be sorry for your sin. If you're not, you're in trouble. (laughs) You really should be sorry and grieved over your sin, but let's let that turn into praise today, okay? We're going to catch that today. I want you to grab that and go, oh, God, you, I didn't deserve it. I did not deserve this. Thank you for coming to get me. It says then, verse 4, then Jeshua, Benai, Cadmiel, I'm redneck, Shebaniah, I want to say bunny, but I know it's not that, Bunai, whatever. Sherebiah, Bani, and Chenani stood on the stairs of the Levites and cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. I want you to realize they're not trying to be discreet. Oh, be quiet. We don't want anybody to know. No, they're crying out. It's like if we stepped outside and got this loudspeaker and cried it out for the whole town to hear us, okay? They want to make sure they are forefront about it. 
They cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Jeshua, Cadmiel, Bani, Hashabniah, Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram, who brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. So this worship song here, it's a prayer slash worship song, however you want to put it. It contains the structure of Israel's history with the Lord God. They're going over what their past has been. And they started the whole thing with their acknowledgement that since God created all things and everything in it belongs to him. Friends, I'm going to tell you, your house that you think you paid for with your money is not your house. That's God's house. Your money is not your money. That's God's money. Your body is not your body. It was paid for at a price. Everything is his. They were acknowledged that since God created all things and it all belongs to him, then God was totally justified to remove that list of people that we just read through, all the ites people. He took all these people out to give the land that they were living on. He gave it to Israel. A lot of people say that that's not Israel's land. It is their land because everything belongs to God, and he chose to give it to them. That is their land, belongs to them. So they sang that the Lord is lifted up above all blessing and above all praise. And, you know, when I praise the Lord God, it's amazing to me that the sound of my voice or my bass or whatever I'm doing makes it all the way up to the throne of God that he hears and so you can hear their repentance in what they're saying here. They'd sinned for years, dragged off to Babylon for 70 years, and now you can hear repentance in their, in their statements here for having followed false gods in their past. They're sorry about what they did. God, I'm, I'm sorry I did what I did. And I realize that you are far above all praise. And Why, Lord, did you come after me except that you love me? So they also remembered how the Lord God called their forefather, Abram, out of the land of the Chaldeans. And he gave Abram a totally new name. He even changed his name to Abraham. So this is a completely new identity, a completely, totally new life now. God brought all of Abraham's descendants into a covenant. That's important that we recognize this. Covenant is a very powerful word. The covenant was, Abraham, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. They are going to have it. It's going to be theirs. But look at all these other people living out there. God says, this is mine. I give it to who I choose to give it to. The Israelites, they realized that by them merely standing in that land at the time they're there, right here in Nehemiah 9, just, they're thinking just us being here is proof that God is keeping his covenant promise. Get on a plane, 
Fly to that land right now. Who's there? The Israelites, the Jewish people are there. Friends, this is proof on a global scale coming through your TV sets that God is trying to tell you he keeps his covenant promises because the Jews are there. (laughs) If they weren't there, you should be scared. Okay. Well, maybe God can't keep a promise once he makes it. How do I know if I'm saved? God promised I'd be saved. How do I know he keeps it? He keeps it. Just look around at the promises he's made with Israel. They're there. God is a keeper of covenant, covenant promise. Isn't that great? Nehemiah 9, verse 9. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants. Look, they're remembering. Look at all the stuff God did for us, right? And against all the people of, this, of his land. For you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself as it is this day. And you divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. Guys, look at this. He's protecting and providing. He's given them provision that they need and protecting them from their enemies. The Israelites remembered how good God was to them. Friends, remember how good God is to you. Don't get so caught up on that squawk box that you listen to the bad news and you get all upset and all the government's going to get us and we're going to lose all our money and then you're not happy. Remember how good God is to you. That's what they're doing here. He was good to them when he delivered them from their bondage and he guided them to their land. He got them to the promised provision that he said he would give them and he provided for everything they needed the whole way. He even gave them a giant flashlight at night. It was like a tornado made of fire. Now, how many of you would like to see that? I'd love to see that. Christian, the Lord God is providing where you can't see. God, you want me to do what? I don't know where I'm going. God's like, dude, if you need a a fire tornado, I'll give you one. He can make make it where you can see. Don't worry. Just trust in him. So they're remembering he provided all the way through the entire journey. Now, there were a lot of enemies on the way, though. A lot of guys that wanted to take them out. Lots of roadblocks, lots of threats. And the Lord took care of every single one of them. When God called me into ministry, Ray, quit your career. Where where are we going? How am I going to make it? How am I supposed to pay the house note? God says, I will deal with that. Look what I did for Israel. Come on. Hello. (laughs) So I had to kind of catch the sense here. Israel's reminding them. They're remembering what God had done, but they're saying this for us today to read what God can do for us, right? So the Lord took care of all these hindrances. The roadblock of the Dead Sea was in the way. He took care of that. (laughs) opened it up. There wasn't a way out there before, but now there is. You know, if God calls you to something, you're like, God, I just I just don't see it. I don't see it. Well, walk up to it in obedience and he'll part it and then it'll be there. Okay. Just like the sea was. So he got all the roadblocks out of the way. God made a way through. Friends, God always makes a way through. Well, I, I don't know, God. I, I shouldn't leave my career. I said that. I shouldn't go into full-time ministry because I, I just don't know how I'm supposed to make it. God had to thump me upside the head. Dude, I've got this. Come on. I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, you're right. So I know you're in the same boat. Where where am I at with this Lord God? Just trust in him. He'll take you through. He made a way. Every army that tried to kill them, 
God fought for Israel, and he still does today. I'm going to say that again because I know you've been watching the news. Every army that has tried to kill the Israelites haven't done it yet. Yet, they're still there. We've seen World War II. We've seen the Holocaust. Hitler came and went. They're still there. Okay? God's saying, hello, everybody, I keep my covenant promises. It's encouraging to watch. But every problem that ever raised its ugly head against them and threatened to take them down, God took care of it. You can trust God in this, Christian. Okay? Nehemiah 9 and 13. They're still recalling what God had done through their history. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. Okay, while the Israelites were in between Egypt and their homeland, God took them out of Egypt, but 40 years they were between. They weren't home yet, but they weren't in bondage either. They were in this middle place. That's where they now realize that God provided for their well-being even through that. God did not want them to live like Egyptians. When they first got out of Egypt, they had a lot of Egypt in them. They had a lot of culture, and here's how Egypt did it, and we're going to do it like that. You ever wonder why they were lost for 40 years? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but part of it is he had to purge that old Egypt out of them. He didn't want them to live like that. So he gave them the law. That was his divine guidance, not just the, the, the flashlight fire tornado and, and the pillar of fire and go this way and take care of the armies. But he needed to give them something that they could go by, a standard that they needed to follow in his law to keep them right before God. They were realizing all this great stuff God had done for them. They're getting their mind back on God, who he is. Nehemiah 9 and 15, you gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. Oh, there's people already living there, Lord. We can't do that. We might offend them. No, I'm giving you that. Go get it. It's yours. So this was God delivering on the covenant promise that he had made with Abraham. He says, I'm going to give your people this land. They're going to get there. Oh, my gosh, it's dark. It's dry. How are we going to drink? How are we going to eat? There's enemies. How are we going to do that? No, we can't do it. Forget it, God. I'm not going to go. You ever told God no? God told you to go do something. You said, no, it looks too impossible. Well, look at, the, look at what he did for the Israelites. They went, and he kept his promise. He provided the whole way through. Friends, not one promise of God ever falls to the ground undone. Never. If God can't keep a promise, he can't be God. He is God, and not one promise ever falls. So they recalled the manna they were given. How many of you seen bread come from the sky? I was driving behind an 18-wheeler one time, and the back door broke open, and bread started falling on my truck. And uh, I remember pulling into the garage place that I worked at. I had bread all over my truck. That's the only time I've ever seen bread fall from the sky, but it wasn't like this, okay? <laughs> I took a picture, too. I just don't know where it went. I, I mean, I had loaves of bread and, and bagels and stuff all over my truck. It was crazy. But bread came from the sky, and God gave them water from out of a rock. God provided for their needs all the way through their journey. 
in between Egypt and between and their land, he provided all the way so that he could keep the covenant promise that he had made to them. He did it all the way in that in-between zone. So friends, something I want to say to even us Gentiles today, we need to remember that God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He never said that he will provide according to what you have in your bank account. Because if you look at your bank account, it looks kind of scary, doesn't it? How am I supposed to get through what's coming next? It has nothing to do with what you've got. His riches, he provides all of it. So here in Nehemiah chapter 9, Israel had been restored back by God. They're still swirling in their head, why in the Lord, why Lord would you do such a thing? You're, you're just too good to us. They're back in their land of inheritance again. And so they were praising the Lord. Thank you for upholding your covenant promise. God made a promise in this with them, so he had to keep it. Lord, thank you that you're a God that keeps your promises. Friends, I couldn't be saved right now if God did not keep his covenant promises. Okay, Nehemiah 9 and 16. But they and our fathers acted proudly. Oh, here we go again. They and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. That took all the composure I had to get through that. Because it is powerful this morning in here. Look at how good God has been. So before Israel got to their new land, they got very impatient. You ever get impatient with God? We should have been home by now. Why are we still lost out in this desert? God, you're taking too long. (laughs) You're taking too long. So they stopped trusting in God, and they decided, well, we're lost out here between Egypt and this land God said we were supposed to get. So... They decided to, turn, uh, to pick new leaders, and we're going to turn everybody around. We're going to march right back to Egypt again, yeah, where they had been slaves for 400 years. Yeah, we'll go back to that. Friends, when God calls you out into a new life, how dare we look back and say, I think it's better to go back where I was at. Really? You want to go back to that? That's what I would ask the Israelites. You want to go back to where you were slave for 400 years? That makes no sense. How many times have I done that? Oh, God, you're taking too long. I'm going to go do it my old way. Really? Numbers chapter 16, it talks about this new leadership at this one example. They chose these three guys named Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. These guys challenged Moses' leadership. It was basically saying, hey, we're taking over. We're going back. And Moses said, oh, no, you're not. So they had a big standoff about it because we don't like your leadership anymore, Moses. We're going back. And we're going to step out here and we're going to take everybody back. So Moses warned them that if they did not repent, the earth was going to open up and swallow them alive where they stood. Now, how can you not listen to a warning like that? But they didn't. And that's exactly what happened. God opened the ground underneath them and they went down into the grave buried alive. Can you imagine somebody burying somebody alive? The Lord God did this to those that tried to break his covenant promise with his people. 
That's how serious God takes covenant promises. Anybody that tries to come in and interfere with any of the covenant promises that God has made for you, if they don't repent, God's going to deal with them as harsh as it needs to be. So they were buried alive. He opened the ground and they went down. God was not about to let one, not one of his promises ever fall to the ground because a few idiots were stirring everybody up. Not only did he protect them from external enemies, but he also protected them from internal enemies from within their own ranks. So here in Nehemiah 9, the Israelites were remembering when Israel appointed leaders to return them back to their bondage, and now they are thankful that these crazy new leaders did not succeed. Lord, we're thankful you dealt with these guys because here we are in the promised land. They're all th- we came this close, God. <laughs> Thank you for sticking up for us, Lord. They're glad that God is able to bind what he promises. Nehemiah 9 and 18. Look at this. They're listing another one. Even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt and worked great provocations. They provoked the Lord God to anger here. Verse 19. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. When people do me like that, I'm tempted to go, okay, that's it. You did it. Burned a bridge. I'm out of here. Gone. I'm taking everything, every bit of help away from you that I ever gave you. You're done. Get lost. Get out of here. I'm out. But God can't do that. If God makes a promise, I'm going to see you through. Even though you mess up bad, God's not going to abandon you because if he does, that makes God a liar, that he can't uphold his covenant promises that he's going to make for you. He's got to keep his promises. He's going to deal with the knuckleheads that come in and mess stuff up. Don't don't get me wrong. This is not a license to sin, but he is going to keep his promises for the people. So I just love it. Even when we mess up, not just a little, but even when we mess up big time, even when we mess up deliberately because I chose it and I wanted it, the Lord still has enough mercy to even counter above us to not forsake those that he has made his promises to. Now, despite the leaders who chose to lead Israel back to Egypt against God's promise, despite Israel making a golden calf, you know, when I think of that golden calf, to me, it's kind of probably one of the most anger-provoking parts of the Bible that we've ever seen. (laughs) The Lord still, and I'm emphasizing all I can, the Lord God still had so much mercy for his people that he didn't forsake them. Because guys, give it a give it a split second. I'll ruin everything that God has ever promised me. If if I have anything my way, oh man, almost daily, I'll go in and I'll mess something up. Give me a chance to mess something up. I'll mess it up. I'll mess it up. Good. But thankful that God stands above me and He binds it above me and He He binds it despite me. He keeps it. God said. I will take them to the place of their own land ahead. He did not abandon them in the desert. He didn't take the provision. He didn't take the light or the the, the guiding things that he gave them. There was nothing that was going to prevent God from making good on his promise. Friends, there is nothing on this earth or on the moon or on planet Mars or anywhere that can stop God's promises that he has given you. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.